Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in the podcast studio Ashley Bodiford and Hannah Stewart. Ashley is the Regional Capacity Coach at the Lexington Richland Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council for Region 2 of South Carolina, and that's Lexington and Richland counties that here in the Midlands right around Columbia. And she's also a certified senior prevention specialist, as well as the current president of the South Carolina Association of Prevention Professionals and Advocates. And joining us again is Hannah Stewart, Primary Prevention and Specialized Advocacy Coordinator at the South Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. So welcome to the fourth prevention podcast. Thank you. It's so great to be back. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you both here. So since this is the fourth in a series of podcasts and we're talking about domestic violence and sexual assault, and today we're going to be talking about substance abuse prevention and how it kind of relates to everything we've been talking about. So Ashley, we'll go ahead and start with you. Tell us about what you do at the Lexington Richland Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council, and that's also known as LARADAC, isn't it? It is, We yes, were just talking right. about acronyms, and so <laughs> we have thousands of acronyms, but tell us what kind of uh, programs you do and, and what you do there. Sure. So at LARADAC specifically, my role is a regional capacity coach, like you mentioned. Um, and really what I am tasked with is providing training and technical assistance to counties in the Midlands specifically. Um, we're broken up regionally, so I am responsible for equipping them, training them to be able to implement their programs um, to the best of their abilities while doing some community mobilization, strategic Mm -hmm. planning, kind of anything and everything that they may need, um, specifically in my role. Um, For LARADAC, they do um, provide prevention, intervention, and treatment services for substance use. So we see a multitude of of people and populations um, come through for services across the continuum. And so what would be involved in a typical day? For myself? Yeah. A typical day for myself um, could be fielding lots of questions. Um, So I get a lot of questions from my counties about things that they might be working on. Um, Maybe it's a grant proposal that they're writing and getting submitted and they want some feedback on what they've developed. Um, Or it could be a county community working to implement a program in a school system and they Mm -hmm. want to you know, figure out the best way to talk about the the program to the school authorities and and what they could receive from that information. Um, It could be just being a listening ear to some, you know, difficult things happening in in the prevention world that they're facing that certain day or that week. Um, So each day is a little bit different. Each each moment can be a little bit different depending (laughs) on when the phone rings. That's kind of like libraries. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Definitely. So uh, how how are you funded? You you said that you are in... it's it's regional, but what's mm-hmm. the the umbrella organization and how sure. are you guys funded? So our state umbrella organization is the South Carolina Department of Alcohol and Drug Abuse Services. Okay. That acronym is DAOTIS. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so they provide funding um, for several things, um, specifically for this training and technical assistance arm. So we have mm-hmm. several of us in the state that can do that kind of work, um, as well as providing funding to our county authorities like the LARADACs of the state to provide the prevention, intervention, and treatment services. Okay. And um, you're also a certified senior prevention specialist. And what does that entail? So, um, yes, our field of prevention has a credential very similar to like a clinical 
person would, um, mm-hmm. and it entails um, quite a rigorous process. We have to go through several hours of required approved training, a written examination, and an oral examination to hold that credential in our system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an international credential, so we have reciprocity. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, we've worked really hard to legitimize our field and and that certification Mm -hmm. has really helped that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we are able to maintain that certification on a two year cycle. So every two years we have to recertify through additional training and Mm -hmm. and so forth. Okay. And you're also the current president of South Carolina Association of Prevention Professionals (laughs) and Advocates. So tell us a little bit about that organization, maybe like how it started and and what you do. So, SCAPA is is the acronym for that. (laughs) So we work um, as a membership volunteer organization. So our credentialing body makes up the primary make of that group. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really a membership organization across our state to network. We offer several trainings to our members, Mm -hmm. um, a way to just kind of learn and lean on each other. Through our certification process, we're required to have supervision hours. So many of our memberships they can connect through the membership, or our members, excuse me, can connect through the membership to kind of find a, a mentor that, you know, mm-hmm. they can connect well with. Um, so it's really about professional development, workforce development, building up our, our field is really one of the biggest pieces of that group, as well as advocacy. So we do a lot of advocacy for the field. Um, and it's not just for substance use prevention. We certainly mm-hmm. have a large makeup of that in our, of our membership, but it truly is for prevention professionals and advocates across the state. Okay. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, what don't you do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very blessed. I, I love what I do. So it's it's a great opportunity for me. I certainly feel like I'm, I'm working my passion. So That's great. Yeah. And so, Hannah, with uh, SCADVASA, how do you um, kind of work with LARADAC or, right. or, or what kinds of things do you do in partnership? Yeah. So um, last year, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services sent out a memo discussing the intersections of domestic violence, sexual assault, uh, mental health, and substance abuse, Mm -hmm. and looking at the um, overwhelming numbers of people that have had substance abuse problems or mental health issues Mm -hmm. that are in these situations. Um, One of the things we're doing is in partnership with DSS, uh, we're looking at that in our community building conference. Mm -hmm. And um, because DSS is uh, funded under the Family Violence uh, Prevention Services Act, FIPSA, Mm -hmm. (laughs) another (laughs) Another acronym. acronym. (laughs) They just keep on coming. Um, And with that, we're looking at these intersections um, to help identify and respond effectively to, you know, domestic violence and sexual assault victims and um, survivors in their work and to develop strategies and to create a a holistic family treatment option. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that, we're looking more at intervention. Um, but after reading this report and this memo and some other works, uh, specifically the substance use and uh, and sexual violence building prevention and intervention responses from the Pennsylvania Coalition Against against Rape, um, PCAR, mm-hmm. which another acronym, <laughs> uh, I, I am looking at it more from this prevention side sure. of how do we, you know, combine these ideas of prevention with sexual violence and prevention of drug and alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, We know perpetrators, as of right now, over 50% of them are under the influence when they perpetrate these crimes. Really? See, now, I would have actually thought that it would be higher than that because, Mm -hmm. you know, substance, you you think of substance abuse and uh, domestic violence or sexual abuse really going hand in hand. So you almost think it'd be like 80 or 90%, Mm -hmm. you know. And of course, you know, uh, with a lot of our numbers in our field, they're not always uh, 
100% accurate because of when people are reporting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so if someone doesn't report till years later, they may not right. know what state mm-hmm. the perpetrator was in. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, so what we're I'm looking at right now is you know these partnerships of how can we create this uh, stronger level of prevention, this community level prevention of incorporating all these different aspects, especially with the stigma surrounding. Yeah. Uh, drug and alcohol abuse, and sure. then the stigma around sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Once you're in both of them, it's become, becomes a cycle. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Ashley, can you talk to us yeah. a little bit, kind of going back to the history of how uh, Diotis works with Laredac sure. and with yeah. the other regions sure. in, in the state? So like I mentioned, Diotis is kind of our state authority, mm-hmm. um, and so they have their strategic plan, goal plan, et cetera. And so they cover a multitude of information and and systems across our continuum. So they focus Mm -hmm. on prevention, they have intervention, and they also have treatment. Mm -hmm. And so they are able to not fully fund all of the county authorities, but certainly provide, you know, significant and generous amount of funding kind of streamlined down essentially from the federal level Mm -hmm. um, to the local authorities to implement that work to kind of get to those outcomes to reach those state goals of healthy and safe communities. And Mm -hmm. so everybody has some autonomy in in what they are able to do. We are very... supportive of assessing counties and understanding where those specific counties are and then implementing programs that we know can change those communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a nice partnership, a nice two-way partnership. Um, And through that, Diodos has been able to provide the funding to support this training and technical assistance arm, which which our counties really have relied upon. Um, It's nice to have somebody almost like in your back pocket all the time, you Mm -hmm. know, to Mm -hmm. support you and and get you to where you need to get to to kind of reach that next level, that next goal. Um, So it's been a very nice working system for, for several years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so when we're talking about the substance abuse prevention aspect of, mm-hmm. of what it is you do, you know, you see these promotions uh, across the, on billboards sometimes that yeah. talk about, you know, like methadone sure. treatment and things like that. How do you work with programs like that specifically? Sure. I think, you know, we we understand that everybody's treatment story is different, right? Not everybody right. is a cookie cutter. Everything doesn't work for that same person. We all bring such a different life story to our table. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to understand that, that we provide treatment services that reach several and they cover across a multitude. So some people do very well with medication-assisted treatment and they partnership that with other types of, of treatment modalities and treatment plans as well. Um, so I think that's a, a great way to support that process is Mm -hmm. is meeting people where they are and equipping them with what best fits their needs so that they can enter a world of recovery Mm -hmm. um, that can that can stay with them Mm -hmm. yeah and when it comes to SCADVASA what you do what do you do specifically with substance abuse are there any kinds of training programs that specifically relate or Um, currently we do not have one that is uh, surrounding substance abuse Mm -hmm. that's why our partnerships with organizations like Laredac are so important. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like our partnerships with other organizations, we may not be the expert. We're not, we're never going to know as much as y'all do Mm -hmm. on a- And vice versa. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's why these partnerships are so important because it's, you know, we do TA for our, you know, member organizations. So Mm -hmm. if these situations arise, we're able to call Laredac and go, Mm -hmm. you know, this is out of our wheelhouse. Can you help us with this? Sure, exactly. And it, you know, I've learned so much. This is like I mentioned the fourth in a series of podcasts about um, uh, substance abuse, domestic violence, sexual abuse. 
Um, and it's something that a lot of people shy away from wanting to discuss, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and they, you know, they either feel a sense of embarrassment sure. or, or yeah. just a, a kind of a shyness towards yeah. Uh, yeah. actually just coming out and, and talking about it, especially for the victims right. mm-hmm. uh, who are involved. But um, what kinds of other uh, opportunities would um, maybe someone who is a substance abuser looking for help? Because it, it, it seems like there are so many possibilities and so sure. many places to call. How does someone who may need help or assistance, where would they start? I think that a, a great place to start um, is the Deotis website. I'm, I'm happy to give that to you. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very nice interactive map that you can find a local treatment provider based on your county or, mm-hmm. or just where you are at that time. Um, and, and simply just getting in contact with that county authority, they'll have you come in and they'll do a comprehensive assessment on you and kind of figure out what's going on and, and what they they recommend you most benefit from in terms of a treatment plan um, and just really being an advocate and a support for the patients that we serve. Um, mm-hmm. I hope people would 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 get to know and, and understand that, that authorities like Laredac and, and all across our, our state want to see people in recovery. And so mm-hmm. um, I would hope that they could feel a sense of not being stigmatized or judged um, and that asking for help is such a brave move and it's one that we we respect so much um, and I hope that they would feel welcome um, and comfortable enough to reach out to to get some help that they that they're in need of. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the big questions I think a lot of people would have is how do you partner with local law enforcement because you know when we're talking about domestic violence abuse substance abuse Um, whatever type, law enforcement usually is someone that's going to be, you know, immediately Mm -hmm. involved in any kinds of situations. So how does that work? I would have to say law enforcement is probably one of our biggest partners, um, one of our biggest supporters, and and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, we work very closely with law enforcement truly across the state. Um, I'll be happy to talk about Laredac, but as a state also, um, we have a very strong partnership. Um, specifically for what we do is focusing on the environment, and so mm-hmm. we do a lot of evidence-based programming about reduction of access, um, increased perception of harm and risk associated with use or misuse. Um, so we have a, a very strong two-way working relationship in which we provide training to law enforcement that they are able to implement strategies that we're not (laughs) allowed to do. Um, And we really are able to have that cross-sharing of of data sharing and and networking um, to really help create, you know, population-level, community-level change, changing the environment so people aren't at as much at risk to use or Mm -hmm. misuse. Um, And then kind of like that trickle effect, right? Right. Um, then linking itself to domestic violence or sexual assaults. And so um, I think some of the things that we focus a lot on with our partnership organizations is those shared risk factors. Um, so it's not that we're working in a siloed wheelhouse. Right. We, we mm-hmm. all really are sharing the same risk factors and protective factors. Mm-hmm. And our goals are very similar at the end of the day. We just want to have a healthy state and a safe exactly. state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's great to be able to cross network and cross collaborate on things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Hannah, at being at the state level uh, with Skadvasa, how do you guys partnership with law enforcement? Do you do anything with statewide law enforcement? Yeah, um, we we provide a lot of uh, trainings yeah. for law enforcement about mm-hmm. how to handle situations in a trauma informed way. Sure, uh, how to best work with um, organizations when and survivors. Uh, 
though most of our work is primarily with these member organizations, uh, giving the power and autonomy back to the victim or survivor. Mm-hmm. And um, I use victim and survivor interchangeably. Mm-hmm. And um, I've noticed I've done this in the past few, but I just want to make a note that uh, the reason a lot of times we use that is we want the person who's been through this situation to be able to identify themselves. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. identify as a victim because that's how they're looked at through the criminal justice system. And sure. some look at themselves sure. as survivors because they have survived through this. Okay. Uh, traumatic event Uh, but so really we work with them more about being trauma-informed when approaching these situations however it's always the victim or survivors uh, decision if they want to go through with working with Mm -hmm. law enforcement officers Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things I'm hearing from both of you it's very repetitive but training 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 and (laughs) obviously this is a huge part of what you both do so are you do each of you actually get up in front of groups and do training or do you are you attending a lot of different trainings how does that work both (laughs) (laughs) yeah same for me yes Uh, well currently right now i'm doing the uh, don't be quiet library trainings okay uh there are four regional trainings throughout that's our partnership yeah that's how we got this started but uh we're working with library library employees throughout the state about creating you know, a, a safe library, what a safe library looks like, what does the word safe even mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then also how they can partner with um, other community partners to put on programming mm-hmm. to have these larger discussions. Yeah. Uh, but so that's one of the ones I'm primarily doing. And then, of course, t- Skidvasa just in general does a lot of training. Yes. Right. Yeah. We yeah. always, in our staffing, it's like, all right, well, what training do we have in the next two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so what definitely. about your what about your training calendar, Ashley? Ours mine is full yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, next week I'll be training a group of prevention professionals um, for the week with substance abuse prevention skills training. So it's a nice foundational kind of how you do it the best mm-hmm. way <laughs> training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of mine can be very formal and like those, you know, day, week-long trainings, or they can also just kind of be like in that moment, which is why I think that nice balance of training and technical assistance. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would view some of the TA as training for Mm -hmm. them because they may be brand new or not really knowing what what water they're getting into. And so, um, you know, it's a nice balance and a nice mix of both. Um, But I also am am very thankful to be able to be a trainee in in some aspects too. It's nice to kind of grow your own toolbox and make sure you're training with the the newest and best, most appropriate modalities and and such. And that's one of the things that, you know, with research, I'm sure in all of these areas, there are new, you know, uh, processes that mm-hmm. that evolve, and so you yeah. definitely want to stay oh, yeah. stay abreast of all of definitely. those and, and keep up with with the changing mm-hmm. you know yes. temperature of of what's happening. Definitely. Um, so we mentioned libraries already just a little, but I want to touch on that a little bit more. How can public libraries in South Carolina be partners? What's the best way for them to work? I just say the collaboration, being open to collaborate. So maybe it might be that somebody from the prevention department at Laredac wants to have a town hall meeting, you know, for the Mm -hmm. general community on opioid awareness. The library is a wonderful place to have events like that. I think being willing to cross-disseminate message is great, like opportunities like this, Mm -hmm. um, being willing to host so people can hear and learn. Um, I think that's a wonderful way to partner, um, really just that supporting one another and the work that we're doing. Mm -hmm, mm 
Um, are there any current, uh, other than what Skadvasa is doing with the regional <laughs> training sessions, yeah. are, is there anything that you partner with maybe the Lexington or Richland County libraries on? Yeah, we've had some great success recently with the Richland County Library um, doing some of our opioid awareness programming and okay. so being able to have some, we've called them listening sessions, mm -hmm. just kind of for the general community, you know, um, opioid is an emerging topic right now and, and people... Yeah. It scares a lot of people and it people really have a lot does. of questions. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's our responsibility to, to answer those questions, right? Mm -hmm. and, and to really increase that awareness. And so um, we've been really, really fortunate to have opportunities at the library to host some of those conversations and, and just help people understand you know, what that looks like and, and what right. they can do to make safe choices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what would be your recommendation for a library staff member who may be experiencing a situation where a library patron comes in and is obviously you know there's something you yeah. know there's some substance abuse issue probably taking place yeah um, what's the best way to deal with that I think it's always being calm and being able to listen but I think it's also important to to be aware of what that looks like you know what are signs and symptoms um, and having that partnership with the appropriate person to to hopefully get them some help um, I go back to having information at the library about a treatment program um, mm -hmm. or anything really um, and connect them that way you know we all have that personal responsibility to help people mm -hmm. so I think stuff like that would be a great opportunity to just have that in their toolkit so that they can they can intervene um, and maybe just make that you know warm handoff um, to the appropriate person that can help really sure. really help that individual and I know most of the times when public libraries are involved in a situation where someone may be under the influence sure. of, of alcohol or some other kinds of drugs um, you know, their first thought is the safety of other people sure. in the library and also their own Absolutely. staff member's safety. Absolutely. And I think they immediately think to call law, law enforcement, enforcement. Mm -hmm. you know, because that's really kind of what library staff are, are trained sure. to do. But as a secondary mm -hmm. approach, yeah. you know, maybe if they see that individual come back into the library. Sure you know, it would still be difficult to, you, you kind of, you want to be helpful and yeah. you want to maybe provide that individual with some information sure. that may be helpful, but at the same time, you don't want to offend them. Absolutely. So how would you deal with that kind of situation? I know, like Hannah mentioned, you know, with the, the trauma-informed care is such a big piece of what we do. So I think being able to have some of those trainings maybe for the library staff to understand the best way to approach somebody if that even is the best way it might not be mm -hmm. um, but if it is that they know kind of how best to speak and how best to talk um, I think that is what people respond to the most that they're they're being spoken to in a way that's respectful and that they're clearly seeking some type of help that they want to help that person mm -hmm. um, I think that would be the best yeah. way to to handle that I know when we do our training and we, we're talking about trauma-informed care and we we're discussing issues of you know domestic and sexual mm -hmm. violence human trafficking teen dating violence uh, what we really talk about is one don't make assumptions that's right because you never want to offend anyone right. that's right and then also just having materials readily available for someone mm -hmm. sure. that they don't have to ask for that's right because right. sometimes it's much it's it's scary and yeah. it's sometimes mm -hmm. not always safe for them and uh, it, it's easier sometimes that they have that so putting those materials especially mm -hmm. in somewhere that they are most likely going to be able to be alone to be able to mm -hmm. like in in the restroom having yeah. posters having materials out is mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. uh, my biggest suggestion is yeah. just yeah. having that material there for them so if they need it 
they can have it. Definitely. And that's one of the issues with what I see in mm-hmm. libraries is there's so much information there. You know, yeah. there's like yes. my, there might be like 500 brochures, mm-hmm. you know, around sure. <laughs> on thousands of different topics. <laughs> right. And, and so it's it's I think important for library staff to you know, use their knowledge and and resources and, you know, maybe once in a while highlight these issues in book displays, you know, take Mm -hmm. items from their collection or maybe remove some of those brochures that Mm -hmm. are piled together with other brochures and pull them out into a subject specific kinds of a kind of collection. Sure. Are there any uh, like awareness months for? I was just getting was, ready to say yeah. this. Yes. I, I talk about That's that funny. all the time. Yes. So I'm like, what are these? I know. Um, like April is Alcohol Awareness Month, um, okay. and so that's a huge one that that um, we not only the RADAC but just again statewide focus on, um, both for young people because we know it's a very high risk time as we approach prom and spring mm. break and mm-hmm. graduation season, but for those of ages too. Um, so that's funny. We, we both said that. Um, I was gonna say like. Get on the awareness calendar, you know, do a quick Google search of of awareness and maybe the library could even kind of highlight that that's this month. And so we're going to have this information Mm -hmm. out kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. where it would be most appropriate. Um, That might be a great way to kind of clear the clutter of all the brochures, but still highlight in Mm -hmm. a way that um, your patrons can can receive it. Right. And And I know some libraries have actually, of course, some of the larger libraries, they have security staff. Sure. Um, but some libraries actually hire uh, people with degrees in social work they do. to be out on the floor and yeah. you know look for these kinds of issues. And they're trained, they're well trained. Sure. To whereas a librarian, they know how to research yeah. it, yeah. but they might not know how to approach someone. Right. So I think that's a, a big area that you yeah. know libraries are continuing to look into. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's a great forward movement. Yeah. We we discuss that in our training as well as you know doing what you can within your position that's right Mm -hmm. what you're trained to do we you know if you're not a social worker we we would never expect you to behave like i'm not a social worker right right Uh, (laughs) i majored in english Uh so (laughs) my way of approaching things though i've been through all this is still i'm going to come through it more of a a wording point of view where a social worker might come through things differently and that's great that's important we need all these different degrees and ideologies to come Mm -hmm. together and Mm -hmm. create something uh, so yeah, I think having those social workers that are able to work with that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's wonderful. Definitely wonderful. Um, so as we're kind of wrapping up, um, Ashley, do you have any library-related stories that you would like <laughs> to maybe impress upon our listeners? And it can be something personal. Yeah. It can be something you know work-related. I really love the library. I hope nobody. I hope. I'm sure everybody says. Everybody that. always I says. I know. <laughs> I knew it. Um, I think. No one has ever said. <laughs> you know. I really don't like libraries. <laughs> I think um, some of my wonderful memories as a child were in the library. Um, you know, my parents were very active and, and wanted us to. Mm-hmm be good readers and, and, you know, know how to do that kind of process. And I remember getting my first library card and how awesome that was for me. Um, and that's something that I've made very important to instill in my children as mm-hmm. well. And so I think time spent at the library just is always has great positive memories for me. I think it's such a safe and a, and a caring environment um, and just a place to just really grow and make wonderful memories. And so um, 
I hope that's a, that's an okay library story, but that's <laughs> when you ask me, that's kind of what comes to my mind is just wonderful childhood memories that I hope to be able to pass on as well. That's great. And yeah. I know you hadn't been here before, I so haven't. you can get a state library card too. Great. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Anything either of you would like to add that maybe we didn't cover about um, substance abuse prevention or any related issues? I mean, there's so much we can say about <laughs> it. I mean, there but, is. Um, you know, of course, if uh, any, if there are any questions or comments, you know, y'all are always, any listeners are always welcome to reach out to Skidvasa. Sure. Yeah, same for Laredak. Yeah. I would, I would just encourage people to be comfortable having those conversations. Um, you know, for parents, talk early and talk often to your kids. Um, mm-hmm. Be willing to have those tough, uncomfortable conversations. Um, and, and if you need help, reach out to the people that can help you. And yeah, and don't be embarrassed. Absolutely. You know, it's just something, the more you're able to bring out, uh, put out on the yeah. table, the, the better, hopefully, the outcome would be. That's definitely yeah. true. So, yes. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks well, for thank having you. me. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is librarievoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.